Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us, and welcome to JFrog's first quarter 2022 earnings conference call. I'll hand the conference over today to Joanne Horn of JFrog Investor Relations Team. Joanne, please go ahead. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us as we review JFrog's first quarter financial results, which were announced following market close today via press release. Leading the call today will be JFrog's CEO and co-founder, Shlomi Benheim, and Jaco Chelman, JFrog's CFO. Before we get started, let me review the safe harbor statement. During this call, we may make statements related to our business that are forward-looking under federal securities laws and are made pursuant to the safe harbor provisions of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995, including statements related to our future financial performance, including our outlook for the second quarter and full year of 2022. The words anticipate, believe, continue, estimate, expect, intend, will, and similar expressions are intended to identify forward-looking statements or similar indications of future expectations. We are cautioned not to place undue reliance on these forward-looking statements, which reflect our views only as of today and not as of any subsequent date. Please keep in mind that we are not obligated to revise or publicly release the results of any revision to these forward-looking statements in light of new information or future events. These statements are subject to a variety of risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from expectations. For a discussion of material risks and other important factors that could affect our actual results, please refer to our Form 10-K for the year ended December 31, 2021, followed with the SEC on February 11, 2022, which is available on the Investor Relations section of our website, and the earnings press release issued earlier today. Additional information will be made available in our Form 10-Q for the quarter ended March 31, 2022, and other filings and reports that we may follow up from time to time with the SEC. Additionally, non-GAAP financial measures will be discussed on this conference call. These non-GAAP financial measures, which are used as measures of JFROG's performance, should be considered in addition to, not as a substitute for, or in isolation from, GAAP measures. Please refer to the tables in our earnings release for reconciliation of those measures to their most directly comparable GAAP financial measures. A replay of this call will be available on the JFROG Investor Relations website for a limited time. And with that, I'd like to turn the call over to JFROG CEO, Shlomi Benheim. Shlomi? Thank you, Joanne, and greetings from the swamp. Before we begin today's conference call, I want to say that our thoughts and well wishes continue to be with the millions of victims due to the humanitarian crisis in Ukraine. We hope and pray for more peaceful days ahead. Welcome again, everyone, to JFOG's first quarter earnings call. 2022 got off a strong start for JFOG with the highest revenue growth in the past six quarters. These results are a clear reflection of several key strategies we implemented, joined with our cloud-first, security-focused, end-to-end platform approach, and impressive sales execution. As we will share today, Q1 numbers across all key metrics show how product-led mindset, market demand, and strategic investments are all aligned with our goals, leading to a sustainable, fast-growing company consistently generating positive free cash flow. Our first quarter revenue was $63.7 million, reflecting 41% growth year-over-year, 
compared to 39% reported in the previous quarter. This growth exceeded the midpoint of our guidance by 4%. Our cloud revenue in the first quarter grew by 63% year-over-year, compared to 52% reported in the previous quarter, driven primarily by increased usage of our security capabilities and growing adoption of our platform subscription through our cloud marketplace channels. As a result of this demand, the number of customers with ARR over $100,000 also grew significantly to $599 compared to $537 in the previous quarter. And our trailing for quarter net dollar retention expanded to 131% compared to 130% in the previous quarter. During the first quarter, we saw a trend of more companies moving forward, adopting one-stop solution, going from binary storage, then to security, distribution capabilities, all provided in our integrated platform. This end-to-end adoption is driving higher consumption by our customers. Now, allow me to elaborate more about the following strategies and changes we applied that drove the company's growth in this quarter. First, investment in our cloud, hybrid, and multi-cloud offerings. JPROG's strategy of enabling a hybrid environment is being validated daily by our customers who are considering or already moving between clouds and on-prem with their DevOps and security tool stack. Second, to security. Our security solution is setting a new standard in the market. Modern organizations already understand that security scanning isn't enough and need a holistic solution to secure the software supply chain. Third, our end-to-end platform approach delivers full binary lifecycle control, allowing companies to build faster, secure easily, and distribute in a fully automated flow. Our investment in a unified enterprise-grade platform is key to to the growth we see. Fourth, our 360 funnel management and investment. Not only is JFrog bottom-up, but also selling top-down. Sales are not only direct and through our inside and strategic sales teams, but now we will also be expanded through partners and channels. Today, I will share with you how these focus areas are fulfilling our goal strategy. In Q1, we continue to see that binaries or software packages are at the crossroad of the modern software supply chain. As our customers well known, binaries are brought into the organization from third parties hubs, and binaries are what you build, secure, automate, and deploy. There is no way to manage and automate your software all the way to runtime without managing your binaries. Increasingly, as our customers demonstrated, the runtime of choice is trending toward cloud. I'm pleased to announce that during the first quarter, we recorded the largest ever single company cloud contract in JFrog's history. A manufacturer of semiconductor and industrial software is undergoing a massive digital transformation and promoting a strategic transition to the cloud. They started with JFrog Artifactory, 
grew into adoption of the entire JFOG platform and are now completing their end-to-end cloud standardization across all business units. While this deal is an amazing achievement, it is also validates our long-held strategy to provide customers with hybrid and multi-cloud solutions that will serve them across deployment environment as they migrate to the cloud. As another example within this quarter of a full platform subscription in the cloud, one of the largest American-based manufacturers of automotive software saw a need to standardize its DevOps processes and incorporate security. After already utilizing JFOG Artifactory as a single source of proof for DevOps, the customers reach out to us to normalize software distribution across its global team. In partnership with our strategic sales team, the manufacturing customer moved to JFOG Platform Enterprise Plus subscription in the cloud, which led to a net new ARR of $500,000. Moving to security. We were all reminded in Q1 that the global software supply chain is under constant attack. As we mentioned in our Investor Day in February, there was undoubtedly a new Log4j incident coming around the corner. Regrettably, a new critical vulnerability, SpringShell, came just weeks after Log4j affected the entire industry. This only made it more apparent that we need a new approach to SecOps that couples automatic identification and rapid remediation across an entire company. The combined power of JFOG Artifactory and X-Ray continues to protect customers from these types of incidents, turning what could be days and weeks of finding, fixing, replacing, and testing work down to just a few hours. We see net new and existing customers' upsell pipeline being generated for JFOG solutions based on, what, on both industry-leading tools and our outstanding and trained security research team. This dedicated team is already demonstrating industry-leading zero-day vulnerability detection capabilities with more discoveries than other security companies in the domain. The security research team is also working closely with our product groups to integrate an in-depth analysis of vulnerability directly into the JPOG X-ray database to protect customers more quickly. We were also excited to continue to extend the security capabilities in Q1, announcing contextual analysis feature. JPOG X-ray now allows customers to more precisely determine the relevance of security vulnerabilities by looking at not just the binary itself, but also the environment it lives in, or how it's configured. The unique functionality powered by JFOG Artifactory and X-Ray assists already overstretched DevSecOps teams and allowing them to quickly address the most critical security gaps and disregard irrelevant ones. To illustrate the value of our security offering, one of Europe's leading automobile manufacturers has turned to the JPROG platform to secure its software supply chain as the manufacturers develop self-driving car technologies. They have heavy dependencies on third-party software, and the holistic security coverage JPROG delivers, combining artifactory, X-ray, and distribution, led to an approximately $400,000 deal 
in Q1. The integrated team and technologies of JFrog and Vidu are already making an impact on the market, and we look forward to further expanding our security solution in 2022. Let's move next to our end-to-end -end platform approach. One of JFrog's key differentiators is a focus not just on building better software, but getting it intelligently to where it is running and consumed across customers' distributed environments. Allow me to elaborate on the pain that organizations have with distributing software. Take a small globally distributed company which is developing one application. This single application must run in 20 different locations in the world. Each of those locations require different versions of the software to address the various export controls and compliance regulations with each country. The organization has to manage this process across all 20 locations, each time releasing a new software version. Now take a large enterprise and multiply that effort exponentially as it manages hundreds and thousands of applications. JFrog continues to onboard customers and grow with more and more organizations choosing to meet these challenges with JFOG distribution as part of the unified JFOG platform. For example, one of the world's most used collaboration and meeting tools with nearly 300 million daily users is driven by a large development team in China with exactly these challenges. This company faces complications around the, the Chinese firewall, widely varied deployment environment, and consumers around the globe, quickly recognizing that only JFOG distribution could meet its needs. This contract was a net new win for the entire JFOG platform. Going even further, software delivery doesn't end at the data center or the cloud anymore. Increasingly, companies are becoming connected device companies. This is why our strategic acquisition of AppSwift, now JFOG Connect, is a key part of our liquid software vision. JFOG Connect aims to bring together the world of IoT devices and the world of DevOps to create a unified flow across entire organizations from developers to devices. In addition to having tens of customers already using JFOG Connect, we are seeing additional demand for managing large fleets of devices remotely, including over-the-air updates, monitoring, controlling, and more. At the heart of our platform is our core flagship product, JFOG Artifactory, where we continue to innovate and support the developer and DevOps community with our universal approach. We recently expanded our offering by releasing support in Artifactory for the Dart programming language, an emerging technology driven by Google. This is a top 20 most popular technology of 2021, and support for its public repository, Pub, was a key request from the community, which we were happy to deliver. We are committed to the developer community by continuing to support all software packages and welcome Dart developers to JFOG Artifactory. Finally, regarding our 360 funnel management and investment, last year we focused on building a top-down sales motion 
with our strategic sales team who are already showing results on growing the business across our top tier accounts. This year, we are doubling down on partners and indirect sales. During Q1, we partnered with AWS for the support of their game initiative, and we were chosen as a key DevOps partner. JFrog already supports some of the most respected and well-known gaming platforms across the globe, including companies like Ubisoft, who see the partnership between JFrog and AWS as strategic to their business. In their own words, and I quote, we rely on JFrog Artifactory to provide a quick and easy way for each team to access their build tools, while the AWS cloud enables cross-team collaboration so we can create the best video games on the market, end quote. These types of partnerships are just the beginning of a broader set of possibilities that JFrog can tap into. With increasing emphasis on resellers, partners, and alliances relationship within the software development ecosystem, we see attractive growth opportunities for JFrog as the global DevOps and security market expands. Speaking of relationships, we were honored to hear about the impact of JFrog's platform from some of our most trusted customers during our recent event. Our customers, Fidelity, spoke about their transition to the cloud and how JFrog supported their massive scale at approximately 16,000 developers migrating thousands of applications in a hybrid and multi-cloud strategy, all having to keep their products and services running. Fidelity showcased how JFrog continues to be mission critical, not just for their development teams, but for the entire business. We were also very excited to see the use case of Botcom supporting 23-plus business units, such as CA Technologies and Symantec, covering not only thousands of developers, but also extensive M&A activities and standardization, supporting about 6,800 deployments per day. They said, if you have ever looked at DevOps tools, it's like a periodic table of hundreds and hundreds of applications and integrations. Artifactory, X-Ray, and Vdoo, and a number of other JPOG pieces are a part of our standard sets. We are proud to have customers who put trust in us as they build out their DevOps and security journey. As we now turning to financials, I want to reiterate our commitment to building solid growth alongside an efficient business with positive free cash flow in 2022 as we have in the past and continue to operate this year and beyond. With that, I would like to turn the call over to our CFO, Jacob Schulman, who will provide an in-depth recap of our quarterly results and update you on our outlook for both the second quarter and full year 2022. Jacob? Thank you, Shlomi, and good afternoon, everyone. Let me echo Shlomi's comments that we are very pleased to have started the year with a, such a strong quarter. Continuing the momentum we saw in the second half of 2021. As a reminder, all numbers referenced in my remarks are on a non-GAAP basis, unless otherwise stated. A reconciliation to comparable GAAP measures can be found in today's earnings release, which is available on our website 
and as an exhibit to the Form 8K furnished to the SEC. Now let's turn to our financial results. Total revenues for the three months ended March 31, 2022 were $63.7 million, up 41% year over year. This is our strongest growth rate in six quarters and our third consecutive quarterly increase. Self-managed revenues, also often called on-prem, were $46.9 million, up 35%. We had a particularly strong quarter in cloud revenue growth, up 63% to $16.8 million. As a reminder, we indicated in the second quarter of 2021, we believed cloud growth had bottomed and we would see a reacceleration of growth. While we are pleased to see the continued momentum in our cloud business driven by increased adoption of security solutions and the full platform, we would like to remind you that our cloud business is subject to variability due to usage-based revenue recognition. We believe the baseline growth rate for our cloud business is in the mid-50s percent range with potential upside from increased customer usage. Net dollar retention for the four trailing quarters was 131%, in line with our prior commentary. As of the quarter end, we had 599 customers with ARR of over $100,000, up from 537 customers as of December 31, 2021, and up 52% from 395 customers at the end of Q1 of 2021. In addition, we grew the number of over 1 million ARR customers to 16, adding one from Q4 and increasing by 60% year over year. As we discussed in the past, adoption of the full platform is a key factor in the increasing size of our customers. In Q1 2022, 35% of total revenue came from Enterprise Plus customers, up from 29% in Q1 of 2021. Before moving to the income statement, I wanted to provide an update regarding the pricing changes we made to some of our on-prem offerings one year ago, which, as a reminder, excluded all cloud subscriptions and the on-prem Enterprise Plus subscription. First, I'm happy to report that customer churn has remained minimal, consistent with historical trends. In the first quarter, we saw customers who previously took advantage of early renewals a year ago now renewing at the current pricing structure. When we announced the pricing increase last year, we noted it would equal roughly 10% of FY20 revenues or approximately $15 million. Since instituting the price change on April 1st of last year, we have recognized almost half of this contribution in reported revenues and would expect to see the remaining balance roll off over the next four quarters. We believe adoption of the price changes by our customers reflects the increasing importance that JFrog's platform solution deliver. We continue to explore additional opportunities to further monetize the value we provide our customers. Our commitment to 30% plus revenue growth for the foreseeable future remains intact, 
even excluding the benefit we have seen from our on-prem pricing increase. Now let's review the income statement in more detail. Gross profit in the quarter was $53.8 million, representing a gross margin of 84.4% compared to 83.4% in the year-go period. We continue to see our SaaS gross margins expand, a result of the steps we took in 2021 to improve our cost structure. We expect gross margins to remain between 83 to 84% for the balance of the year and moderating toward the low 80s over the long term as cloud revenues become a greater portion of total revenue. Operating expenses for the first quarter were $53.2 million, or 83% of revenues, up from $35.8 million, or 79% of revenues, in the year-go period. We continue to invest in our product offerings and building out our strategic sales and partner channels. Non-GAAP operating income for Q1 was $543,000, or 0.9% operating margin, compared to an operating income of $1.9 million, or 4.1% operating margin in the year-ago period. Non-GAAP net income in the quarter was $158,000, or zero cents per diluted share, based approximately on 103.9 million weighted average diluted shares outstanding. Turning to the balance sheet and cash flow, we ended the quarter with $428 million in cash and short-term investments up from $421 million as of December 31st, 2021. Cash flow from operations was $5 million in the quarter. After taking into consideration CapEx, free cash flow was $3.9 million. Before we turn to the guidance, I want to remind you of the detail we provided last quarter around the cadence of the financial model for the year. There is no change to our expectation that the second quarter will be the low point for profitability as beginning in the second quarter, we implemented merit increases to align with labor market benchmarks. Our profitability is expected to improve in the second half of the year. For Q2, we expect revenue to be between $65 million to $66 million, with non-GAAP operating loss between $2.5 million to $3.5 million, a non-GAAP loss per share of $0.03 cents to $0.04, cents, assuming a share count of approximately 99 million shares. For the full year of 2022, we are increasing our revenue guidance to the range between $276.5 million and $278.5 million. Non-GAAP operating income is expected to be break-even between one, negative $1 million to positive $1 million, and non-GAAP earnings per share of negative one cent to positive one cent, assuming a share count of approximately 107 million shares. Now, let me turn the call back to Shlomi for some closing remarks before we take your questions. Shlomi? Thank you, Jacob. 2022 has seen a strong start for JFOG, and we are committed to building on this success across products, processes, and execution as we leap forward throughout the year. My team, JFOG employees, your dedication to always listening to the community and addressing the real pains in the market 
continues to bear fruit. These strong quarterly results are a testament and thanks to you. Looking forward to Q2, we are happy to finally meet our customers, partners, and the community in person again for the kickoff of our annual Swamp Up User Conference. This year, we're taking Swamp Up on the road, visiting multiple cities, interacting with the global developer and security communities and customers. We invite you all to attend. Finally, we believe JPOG is well positioned to drive further revenue growth in 2022 as we aim to deliver for JPOG users, customers, and shareholders. I'd like to thank you all for your attendance today. May the frog be with you. And now, we'll take your questions. Operator? If you'd like to ask a question at this time, please press the star, then the number one key on your touchtone telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. Our first question comes from Mike Zikos with Needham & Company. Hey guys, thanks for taking the question here. And, uh, and, and good to see the revenue outperformance as well as far as the acceleration in revenue that you guys were able to report. Um, I did have a question, and I guess first if we could come back to that revenue acceleration we were talking to, um, can you help us think about what went right for you guys? Like what, what came in the quarter that maybe you hadn't anticipated which drove these stronger results that we're seeing today? Mike, uh, thank you for joining the call and thanks for the question. Um, we, we actually uh, looked very well into the uh, growth that we observed this, this quarter. And as we detailed, uh, there were three uh, main reasons for, for this growth. A is the uh, growing adoption of our SaaS services in the cloud, mainly because of uh, security and probably after the Log4j episode, when people understand that they need a holistic, solu a holistic solution for their security. The second thing is the adoption of our end-to-end -end platform. Um, it's not anymore just uh, covering your repository or your security domain. You need an end-to-end -end DevOps platform to manage the full binary lifecycle all the way to deployment. And third is our uh, um, consistent investing in investment in our strategic sales team that uh, drove not only to uh, more and more customers that are adopting the full platform, but also higher uh, entry point and lending, uh, lending PO uh, within our customer portfolio, plus the improvements of uh, the strategic team working with the partners, uh, mainly the cloud partners. Those are the main three reasons for the, the goal you so in Q1. Thank you for outlining that. And if I could squeeze one more in, this would be more for Jacob, I think. Um, good to see the revenue raise for the full year in excess of the, of the Q1B. Um, I know that we're maintaining the full year operating profit outlook, and I know that we're talking about this cadence um, being the same as what you guys had spoken about last quarter, where Q2 is going to be the low point before profitability improves. Um, just curious, can, can you provide an update? Why not take up the, the full-year profitability? I just wanted to get a better sense of, um, I, I guess, some of the assumptions that you guys have in that profit guide. And then if you could also talk in any way to the um, – 
potential FX movements that you guys are seeing in conjunction with that, that would be terrific. Yes, uh, so let me first uh, address the potential FX. As we noted in the previous quarter, the negative uh, uh, trend in FX impacted us at about two points. Uh, please know that for 2022, we uh, hedged at a very sufficient level. So this volatility that we're seeing right now does not actually impact us. And, and uh, the improvements in, in, in the dollar rates versus Israel the shekel actually will be uh, resulting in a better environment toward end of the year, more 2023, just because, to, because we very well hedged for, for this year. Uh, with regards to overall profitability, as, as noted uh, in previously, we, we uh, continue to grow as very efficient business and continue to generate free cash flow. There are a lot of opportunity in front of us, uh, specifically in uh, additional offerings and security and, and uh, Connect X, uh, Connect products. We're also building our new go-to-market channels and partnership alliances, so we have a lot of uh, areas of uh, investments with uh, very attractive ROI, and that's why uh, we continue to be um, uh, taking the stand that uh, uh, for the year we're going to be at the break-even levels. Understood. Understood. Thank you very much to both of you. I really appreciate it. I'll jump back in the queue now. Our next question comes from Brad Reback with Stiefel. Uh, great. <clears throat> Thanks very much. Shlomi, you talked a bunch about uh, various initiatives on the sales and marketing side, top-down sales, partners, AWS, especially on the cloud. Is there an opportunity uh, for these efforts to lead to an acceleration of customer growth or customer count? You know, last year was up 10%. Could we see that accelerate here this year? Yes, absolutely, and thank you for uh, for, for emphasizing this subject. Uh, as you as you know, and as we guided the market, we are building our sales tier to tier from a from a completely bottom up inside sales uh, machine. We built in the past eighteen months a very strong strategic team that also come from the top down, and and it's now the time, as we shared in our investor day last February in New York. It's now the time to double down on partnership, on strategic alliances, working with the ecosystem, not just to uh, accelerate the growth, but to also expose JFrog to other solutions, to uh, new prospects, to prospects and new customers. So my answer is yes. It will happen in three different directions. Um, obviously, the immediate uh, suspects are... Uh, the major cloud players, and these guys are already working very closely with us. The second thing that we are developing is all the system integrators relationship. And last, all the professional service strong companies that are in the domain of DevOps and security. So, yes, uh, we should see growth not just in ARR, but also in uh, new customers coming from uh, partners in China. Excellent. Thanks very much. Our next question comes from Itai Kidron with Oppenheimer. Uh, thanks, hey guys. Solid numbers. Um, Shlomi, I want to start with you first on the on the growth or the cloud growth, uh, the acceleration. They're great to see that. Uh, can you talk about um, the maturity of your cloud uh, platform and 
more specifically, when you look at customers and how they're using a cloud platform here and now, how is it different, do you think, than how they used it a year ago? Uh, would it be uh, types of applications and use cases or, or um, how broadly, uh, uh, pervasively, they're using it in, in their own organizations? Yes, hi, Ty, and thank you for the question. Uh, this, the answer is actually split into two. Things that we did and invested in the cloud that uh, drove to the goals that we see, the consistent goals that we see. This quarter was amazing, but we grew in the previous quarter and the quarter before as well. And the second thing is what happened in the market, and we got our solution ready for it. So I'll start with the first one. In order to be a sustainable growing business in the cloud, you have to understand the dynamics in the market. There is no enterprise uh, customer that we know in our portfolio that will move now just to a single cloud. The fact that we are providing not just a multi-cloud solution, but also a hybrid environment that allows you to migrate to the cloud according to your organizational needs, this is a platform, JPO, and it's not only um, cloud versus self-hosted, it's also the fact that you can actually uh, run both of them in parallel. Alongside the holistic end-to-end solution, the, what we call the enterprise platform subscription, it gives you capabilities not just as a repository in the cloud in a universal way, but also a security uh, solution that, uh, that runs on the repository, scan, and make sure that you have no vulnerabilities in your single source of record, which is the repository. And then, obviously, the distribution, distribution to different clouds, distribution to different destinations, and everything that we now see that the market is at for. The second thing is how JPOC prepared itself for more than 18 months to what is now exposed. We keep saying... Organizations are being vulnerable because of their binaries. There is no hacker in the world that will attack any other asset than your binaries. Log4j is one reminder. After Log4j, Spinction, and a lot of others. And now, when you have a strong security solution that is well natively um, scanning your repository uh, of binaries, um, I think that this drove more uh, attention to the JPO Cloud solution this quarter than ever before when the headlines shouted Log4j and Springshell and other things that, uh, that kind of uh, caught the attention not only of the developers but also the CISO and the security stakeholders. Got it. Excellent. Uh, and then, uh, Jacob, for you, and maybe I'm kind of following up on Brad's question before, Clearly, you're doing extremely well in upselling to customers. As we can see that in your 100K customers and your million-dollar customers and your dollar expansion. So clearly, the end-to-end uh, motion is resonating with customers, and they're upgrading. Is there a way, though, to think about the contribution to your growth of volume versus price? Uh, I'm just trying to, to think about um, how much of your growth, again, is driven by this shift up uh, tier, if you like to call it, plus the, the price adjustments you've made versus just a pure growth in the customer uh, count. If there's a way for you to try it uh, for us, that will be great. I, I think investors are called, I've been getting from investors that there's just a concern that your base isn't growing enough and 
you're kind of squeezing the orange, meaning you're getting a lot of value from your existing customers. But um, the question is, how much more new fields are you kind of sowing right here that you can uh, leverage uh, down the road? I think uh, if I, there are a few aspects to that. If uh, we're talking again for pricing increases and contribution of pricing increases, as I noted in my prepared remarks about uh, half of $15 million, which means $7.5 million came in the past 12 months was the revenue recognized from associated with price increases. Um, now, with regards to... Uh, contribution of existing customers versus uh, new ones. Uh, we continue to see that our average lens remain approximately $10,000. So our historically contribution of our, to our revenue growth was from expansion of existing customers rather than uh, land of new. We continue to land uh, new customers and we added about 10% of new customer count uh, last uh, year. And we expect, as Tommy noted, we expect to grow that more in this year. So, uh, you know, going forward, our growth will primarily come from expansion of existing customers because this is what the land and expand model is about. If I may add to it, Titai, to remind the public that uh, the price changes we have uh, done we're only on the self-hosted solution and mainly at the uh, enterprise and, and OX. So the platform subscription to see growing and the super uh, fast growing cloud were not subject to the price changes. So this is pure growth within our customers and new customers. Yeah, maybe just to wrap that up, uh, uh, guys, uh, when you think about the lands, uh, Jacob, we talked about your landing um, hasn't changed from a dollar standpoint, but do they start um, at different plans? Uh, you know, is the landing from a product standpoint any different today than it was a year ago? Yeah, we see, uh, first of all, some of the customers uh, are landing at higher lands and sometime even on uh, Enterprise or even Enterprise Plus. On the other hand, many more customers land on cloud, which is a smaller land. So, therefore, on average, ASP, if there are new customers, about $10,000. Okay. It's the main relative change from prior uh, periods. Got it. Excellent. Good stuff. Thank you. Our next question comes from Sanjit Singh with Morgan Stanley. Uh, thank you for taking the question. Show me, I wanted to get an update on the um, security progress on the integration with Upswift. I know GFOB Connect has been um, out there with your customers. In terms of driving um, new deals or new expansion deals with your customers, where are we in that phase? I'm sure we're early, but just in terms of uh, if you could highlight some of the progress that you've seen um, with the Upswift integration and that broader end-to-end um, -end security positioning, um, what's been the early feedback like from uh, from, from customers? Yes, hi, Sanjit. Um, obviously, the, the fruits that uh, we start to, to harvest uh, are part of uh, the investment of the inorganic uh, additions to JFOG. Specifically regarding security, there are uh, two elements here that are, are important to mention. A is that uh, we have a very strong security, well-trained team that is building a better X-ray as stage one 
to serve our customers, and especially with what we see now happening in the world of SecOps, that's a, a great addition uh, to existing customers. And also, we start to see more and more demand coming to us, not from our factory side, but from the X-ray side. The second side of the security investment is the security research team. Now, this is a team that is well-trained to find vulnerabilities before anyone else in the world knows about it. And to find a zero-day vulnerability and inject it into X-ray database, as mentioned in the script, is, is a plus for, for j customers because they are are better protected and faster in uh, remediation processes. The, the security that uh, JFOG actually now gives them um, covers not only the, the, the uh, features and the scanning and everything the technology covers, but also a very strong research team that uh, reveal more and more zero days, actually more than any other company in the domain. Regarding AppSwift, very good question. You know, um, Long ago, we said binary and binary repository will be at the heart of your software supply chain. And our artifactory became the standard. A few years after, we said uh, composition analysis security and security uh, that relies on DevOps will be at the mainstream. This is happening now. What I'm saying now, and mark my words, developers will have to take responsibility all the way to the binary deployment of the device. And this is why the demand that we start to see just by announcing J4 Connect, not even having it um, in production in our biggest customers, just the demand and the interest that we get from the market now represent the future pain and the future need of taking the binaries all the way secure and fast to the devices. J4 Connect, um, as a result of the AppSwift acquisition, already made the impact on the market, and we start to also see um, some partners that are also reaching out to us in order to integrate uh, their solution with JFO Connect. So I guess that uh, security is a low-hanging fruit, and JFO Connect would be the next uh, the next reason for our goal. Understood. Um, thank you so much for the color there, Shlemy. And then uh, Jacob, I wanted to sort of revisit the um, you know the very popular macro guidance question um, that we've been asking all earnings season. From the lens of what you see out there in the market with your customers, your international customers in Europe, um, any, and any, any, and any, sort of, any sort of um, vertical concentration that you may or may not have, um, could you describe the environment that you've seen thus far, not only um, for the quarter, but sort of coming out of the quarter, and then in terms of the assumptions on your guidance, um, what are the what? How has your assumptions changed or not changed um, relative to last quarter with respect to deal closure rates, deal sizes, sales cycles, etc.? Yeah. So first of all, uh, to the first part of your question, Sajid, very well represented in uh, various industries. Uh, a very diversified portfolio will not depend on any industry or any particular customer. So the diversification is the key. On the second side, uh, yes, so obviously there are uh, macro uh, changes in the market. But what we presented today in the guidance today, so obviously we did not change our methodology. We continue to be prudent and cautious today with potential upsides in the future. So uh, we're consistent in our methodology, and we don't we have not changed anything. 
Got it. Understood. Thank you, Jacob. Our next question comes from Koji Ikeda with Bank of America. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Just, just one for me. Um, so looking at the metrics of the business, it sure seems like everything's pretty good. You know, just a question here on the billings. Uh, I mean, based on our model, it looks about 9%. You know, definitely off a tough comp. I understand there's pricing in there. Um, but maybe affected a little bit by the cloud adoption too. So, you know, just, just, is there anything to call out in the bid billings other than the pricing or maybe the cloud adoption that we should be aware of? You know, how, how should we be thinking about billings going forward? Or you know, I guess, is this even a, really a metric that we should be, be looking at anymore? Is there something else that we should be looking at from here? Thanks, guys. Uh, yes, uh, I'll address that. Uh, thanks for the question. We've been saying that for quite a long time that the billing is not very uh, representative metric here. But to provide you more context, uh, last year we had a huge pull forward in, in the billings uh, in, in, front, in front of the or in advance of the price change that was uh, became effective on April 1st. So that's why we saw the significant uh, pullings of uh, renewals into Q1, and we quantified it to be about $24 million dollars. Um, so those customers who renewed back then will continue to renew unless they uh, quote term uh, during the year. So they will continue to renew in Q1. So that's why uh, you saw probably the, the 9% growth in billings just because of the significant uh, pullings in the last year and tough comparables. Uh, adoption to the cloud uh, also uh, represents uh, uh, some kind of uh, and wins into the billings because typically uh, annual contracts uh, on cloud would have two types of arrangements, annual contracts and, and pay-as-you-go monthly contracts. So if a multi-year on-prem customer transitions to cloud, that will be headwinds to the billing because of the annual nature of shorter-term duration contracts. Other than that, uh, again, billings, they really not a very representative metric in, in our business. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks for taking my question, guys. Really, really appreciate it. Our next question comes from Jason Ader with William Blair. Yeah, thank you. Hey, guys. Um, for, first question maybe for you, Shlomi. Uh, could you give us an update on the competitive landscape? Um, any changes since the last uh, time we talked? Uh, in particular, I guess, um, how are customers thinking about end-to-end platforms and, um, you know, any kind of commentary on, um, in particular, GitLab, GitHub, trying to move into your um, territory of Artifactory? Yes, hi, Jason. So, um, regarding the landscape, as uh, you remember, we put it in a kind of a four-tier model. Still, the majority of, uh, of the big changes we've seen, we are seeing coming from uh, replacing homegrown solutions. Some of it uh, is migrated to the cloud. Some of it is uh, being self-hosted. But still, um, companies are adopting what we call now mature DevOps and, and SecOps solutions. Regarding the source code, uh, or specifically the two that you mentioned, GitHub and GitLab, um, our solution coexists with source code management. There is no development organization that uh, will, uh, will not start or use uh, source code management, and there is no uh, organization that will scale without managing a full binary lifecycle. Regarding the roadmap, 
Um, I keep hearing that they are planning to do what we are doing, but um, still, in none of the pre-sales, uh, we, we are hearing that uh, people are migrating uh, to, to these solutions. Um, Artifactory is solid rock, scalable. Um, I think set the standard in the market of managing binaries. Um, our security is far more advanced and mature, um, and protecting your, your binaries in, in a level that uh, both cannot uh, provide today. And, uh, at, you know, at the bottom line, you look at the holistic solution, platform-based, the platform play. This is uh, a game-changer, especially when you think two years, three years, four years ahead, and you take everything together, including the hybrid solution, including the deployment, including distribution, including remediation. So it's not just putting a nice scanner over your Git repository. You have to think about the 360 of your DevOps platform. And the last is uh, obviously the, uh, the clouds. With the clouds, what we actually see is that our partnership is stronger than our competition. Um, and we work together side by side. There are some overlaps. We are aware of that. And uh, we trust our customers to choose what makes sense to them. At the enterprise, the multi-cloud is a killer. At the, uh, at the smaller business, the, the uh, maturity of the product and the, um, the holistic solution and the amount of features that we provide is a killer. So I think that uh, what we will see more and more is that this competition in a very big market like DevOps and security is coexisting rather than competing. Great. And then... Uh, Jacob, um, did you disclose RPO? I, I might have missed it. No, uh, we did not disclose RPO. It disclosed on uh, quarterly basis in our Q filings, but uh, at the end of Q1, we've got approximately $172 million in RPOs. Yeah, the reason I'm asking is because, you know, we don't. you're trying to steer us away from billings. Um, but, you know, some software companies use RPO as kind of a proxy for bookings and kind of a leading indicator metric. Is that the case with JFrog? Should we be looking at RPO growth as kind of a leading indicator? I, RPO is a better indicator than billings, but still, again, uh, with, with the adoption of more cloud, we will see shorter uh, duration of about uh, – Agreement, so there's going to be headwinds to RPO as well. Gotcha. And, and then any thought on uh, buybacks, just given that you have a decent amount of cash and the, the stock is somewhat depressed, uh, have you guys given any thought to that? Um, we see a lot of opportunity in front of us in the market, and uh, we'll obviously invest in what is better our white our shareholders. All right. Good luck, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Michael Turitz with KeyBank. Hi, uh, Shlomi and Jacob uh, and everyone. I'm, I'm glad to be on the call. Uh, welcome back to Sanjit's macro question. And just ask what you're seeing in terms of the reaction of both, let's call it uh, SMBs as well as enterprises, to the macro situation in terms of their development projects. Are you seeing any slowing in those? Are you seeing them be more selective? And also, since they, they, have, they do have some in-house alternatives or self-built 
at DIY. Is there any increased hesitancy in a tougher and inflationary environment to hold off on moving to a dedicated package? Yeah, I, I hope I heard the, the old question. SMB versus enterprise, very good uh, way to distinguish the market. The enterprise all understand that adopting DevOps <clears throat> is not a question anymore. It's just a question of when it will happen, not if it will happen. And may I, may I even add, um, having some assets in the cloud, and to adopt Kubernetes. So cloud-native, DevOps, and security goes together in the enterprise. This is why we see that mature products like JFOG and the full end-to-end platform answer the enterprise demand. Um, what we hear from the enterprise uh, mainly is that they have to, to get the confidence that they can rely on JFOG to scale with them <clears throat> because the number of containers and Docker registries and images that they have to host, manage, scan, secure, and deploy is, is by millions a day. Um, in our investor day, two of these enterprises, Fidelity and Broadcom, mentioned the, the, the scale that, uh, that I just, uh, that I just uh, uh, mentioned. On the SMB, we start to see more and more uh, small and medium business, not just looking for um, a single point solution DevOps, but to also combine with it the security. And what happened there is that the developer of the world starts to take responsibility over security engineering uh, parts. And therefore, when they, when they need to remediate from an episode like Log4j, they need a tool that not only hosts Log4j, but also secure and help them to, to remediate fast. So, Although the, the growth in the enterprise is more forward the end-to-end solution um, as fast as they can, in the SMB we also see that uh, there is more demand for more than just a single product that is integrated together. Um, so that's regarding the SMB versus enterprise. Did I miss the other part of the question? Just whether or not in the, in the current macro, whether you're seeing any slowdown in development projects? Uh, no, no. Actually, the opposite. Um, it's not just the number of developers. The number of developers is growing by, by uh, um, over 15% over here. This is nice. What we see is that uh, there is more demand for, uh, for developers to take more responsibilities throughout the full software supply chain. So what started as, um, as um, um, a movement is now the standard. And uh, we see a growing demand in the market. And by the way, to be honest, not just for JFOG solutions, but also observability solutions, and also other solutions that complete the full software supply chain uh, mechanism. So my answer is uh, no. On the contrary, we see, we see a growing demand. And I think that the next stop will be uh, taking your software to the edge. Thank you, Sony. Our next question comes from Rob Owens with Piper Sandler. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, you touched on it earlier in the call, but I was hoping you could elaborate a little bit more on your channel strategy. 
relative to how much of your revenue uh, currently comes from the channel. And as you look at the appointment of Kelly Hartman to the new head of channel's role, what should we expect longer term? Is this to drive larger strategic types of opportunities, or is this to drive more of the velocity-related opportunities you're seeing now? Thanks. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll address the, the first portion and then uh, Shlomi will some more strategy. So uh, today our channel is very, very uh, uh, minimal relatively to the entire overall business. Uh, revenues that come in from uh, marketplaces, they approximately about 10-15% of overall cloud business. It's growing very fast, actually, very fast growing channel for us, but still a smaller portion of, of our entire revenue. Uh, we also have some uh, resellers who act more as a procurement agents uh, rather than uh, value resellers or system integrators. So it's really a green field for us to expand this uh, program in this uh, go-to-market notion. Yes, I know, and regarding the uh, strategy, as I mentioned before, the next logical step for us is to build a very strong mechanism that work with partners, uh, work with the top five IAS of, uh, of, the, of the world in different regions, in places and organizations that we didn't get into, and this is not just government or highly regulated environment, but a very big project. Um, we moved our all uh, partners and channels uh, activity under our CRO organization and hired a very senior um, savvy partner leader um, to manage it all. This will be split as everything else between the cloud and the on-prem. And uh, while in the cloud it's more mature because we built a partnership with AWS, with GCP, and with Azure. Um, we are now uh, uh, paving the way for, uh, for more uh, 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 collaboration with the uh, system integrator and with the professional service company and not just uh, uh, PO handlers that, uh, that we see now coming from uh, the market. The big, uh, the big thing, the big change that we expect to see is that currently most of those partners are reaching out to us also on a full inbound way because the customers send them to work with JFrog. And what we want to see is that these customers are also, these partners, sorry, are also working with us in order to reach out to the market that we are still not uh, uh, exploring in different geographies and in different domains. All right. Thank you. I'm showing no further questions in queue at this time. I'd like to turn the call back to Shlomi Benheim for closing remarks. Guys, I would like to thank you all for joining us today. Uh, in today's market, it's very important that the company will be focused on the strategy and allocate not only the resources, but also the capital in a wise way. JPOG is paving its way to a very successful 2022. And may the frog be with all of you. Thank you very much. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.